By the way, schedule regarding the weekly update next week. Obviously, we're in Israel. Friday's show will officially be from uh, from NCSY Kolel and uh, Michlelet with our friends at the OU Summer. So our next, the scheduled weekly update, assuming all is uh, all is right with um, both our schedule and uh, Malcolm's schedule, will be on the 26th of July, two weeks from today. Uh, Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update. Mr. Holine, welcome back to JM in the AM. Bokatov to you. Remember the days when summer meant hardly any news, hardly any activity out there in the world of government, politics, and countries? It's so different these days, isn't it? Yes, actually, I was uh, talking to somebody yesterday and made the same point that the uh, you know, people used to go away. People were not functioning, you know, for t- two months. I actually started the practice of having more meetings during the summer because there was no competition. Nobody else was working. So I used to <laughs> double down on the meetings in the summer because people would come, uh, whereas during the rest of the year they were always heavily competed. Now there's no break. It's just unfortunately the world events and the pressure of events is mounting during the summer. There's also no break regarding the chutzpah of the Iranian government and their representatives, because now not only are they uh, are they found to violate agreements, but they're essentially uh, agreeing with everybody that they have violated agreements, admitting so. Would you say that's an accurate assessment? They're asserting so. Right. <laughs> they're not just responding to charges, but they are going on an aggressive campaign. It's part of their effort to put pressure and to counter the pressure of the United States' is, um uh, sanctions regime, which obviously is hurting, although they, they, we seem to have backed off of the expected sanctions against Arif and, and other leaders. Uh, that did not happen, maybe just temporarily delayed or, or whatever. But um, what we've seen is the, the United States is now trying to form an international naval force in the Gulf and trying to get others to, to come into it. And, and the attack on the British ship, which seems to be pretty evident uh, that it was true, even though the Iranians deny it, the British obviously um, uh, confirm it, and they try to take uh, a ship into custody. This is retaliation for the seizing by the British of a ship off the coast of Gibraltar, bringing oil from Iran to Syria. Um, but they, they put out statements very aggressive about a meeting the United States convened yesterday uh, of the International Atomic Energy Agency and saying America was, was isolated when, in fact, we believe that the, the Europeans, for once, really came down tough on them. Um, and they said that they're going to continue to reduce their commitments, the Iranians, uh, as long as the policies uh, and, and the efforts of the Europeans, for instance, uh, are failing to, to, to bypass the sanctions. They promised to set up uh, an alternative to SWIFT, a money, a financial routing uh, apparatus called INSTEX. But in fact, it, it isn't, uh, it's not working. So they're saying that giving 60 days to primarily the Europeans to deliver or they will break altogether. It's, it is um, a, a steady pattern, so people should watch it, look at what 
of what uh, they're doing and saying because it's matched by uh, actions. We know that they are continuing to build their terror network in Africa. At the same time, cutting back on some of the expenditures, they closed 30 offices for recruitment in Afghanistan and Syria, uh, all of which is reflective of the, um, the the financial pressures that they that they are under, and they um, you know they have made a farce out of the whole question of uh, the restrictions of JCPOA. And for one thing, something I pointed out before. Uh, that others noted now that the uh, it's evidence that they never dismantled the original infrastructure that they right. were supposed to under the JCPOA, and that they are now threatening to put in the more advanced um, centrifuges, the IR one, uh, two, and three, because uh, uh, that will bring them to 20% faster, which is level of enrichment, and after that is the breakout to 90%, which is weapons grade. So they're not there now, but they are threatening it, and the, the their activities and the uh, failure to really um, of, of so many of the European countries to really stand up to them. European companies, though, are and are not doing business with them. And so, a normal, um, you know, trustworthy agreement might have a dialogue like, you know, we'll continue to abide by the agreement, but guys, meaning you Europeans please provide what you promised us you would provide. Iran handles it exactly in an opposite fashion, that we will continue to violate the agreement until you decide to, to come through with what you promised us. That's right. And they, uh, there is a concern that um, what we're talking about is a revised JCPOA. And uh, I know for Israelis, for others, this is a matter of great concern because the, the feeling is that you have to have a zero policy, which the White House did say last week that they should have zero enrichment. That's not going to happen, but um, but the fear is that we're going to go back to some sort of a watered-down agreement again. And we know that Iran will never abide by it because the goal is nuclear weapon. The information that was gained from the files that Israel stole and that the IAEA now, nine months later, ten months later, is still investigating. But it, it, that warehouse that Netanyahu mentioned, the facility, uh, they found traces of of uh, nuclear um, residue, nuclear uh, material. So it, it uh, legitimized it. And I think the IEA, which has limited access to the, um, in the facilities, we haven't yet seen it, uh, are coming to the same conclusion that the cheated and are cheating and will cheat and the the um uh, the west has to make a decision that they're going to stand up to it uh i mean the bottom line from israel's standpoint is whoever the prime minister is going to be bb whoever else i mean the uh, uh, unfortunately it seems like just the inevitability is being postponed i mean it, there's really not going to be i mean i hate to say it like this but there's really not going to be any solid action from the West of any great significance or greater significance from what we're seeing uh, than if Iran actually does, you know, take any serious military action against somebody. And I primarily, obviously, that would be Israel. And I and I assume that the prime minister's office and future prime minister offices would would be as completely prepared for that as possible. They are. 
are. Obviously, this is, uh, you saw the warning that uh, Netanyahu issued saying airplanes can reach anywhere in the Middle East. But right. the, the first target is Saudi Arabia and the UAE, as it has been. They're fighting this, the proxy wars with them in Yemen and, and elsewhere. they they still trying to undermine the different regimes. They obviously want to, would love to see uh, Jordan form because that would put them on the border with meaning Iran through Iraq and Jordan would be right there. Um, and they're saying they are they want to be completely surround Israel. They have Hamas in the south, they have Hezbollah in the north, you have the presence in Syria of their, of their many militias and stuff. So they're saying they want to be able to get Israel on all sides, and they've certainly tried in the West Bank to organize and to, to have a presence there. No question about that. And um, does the action against Great Britain at all change Great Britain's attitude toward Iran? I mean, is there a, you know, once it hits home, right, and you mentioned the ship, once it hits home, you'd think their attitude would, would, you know, change, I don't know about drastically, but at least somewhat toward Iran. Has has that happened in the aftermath of this attack? Yeah, I think so. And I think the military is is going to be more active and, and aggressive and they have to protect the ships going through the straits of fear that that Iran will try to kidnap or take over a, a ship. Um, but but Britain is so preoccupied with their election and with the uh, Brexit uh, and mm-hmm. other issues that I'm sure this is uh, a sideshow for them. And you know the prime minister is stepping down very soon. Right. So the um, and the and the Europeans all altogether have been weak need and and had they gone along. As, as their companies did, by and large, um, and and backed the United States in this, we might have seen a much quicker result from uh, the Iranians. Now the Iranians are holding Europeans to account, not so much the U.S., but holding them to account for to deliver on alternatives and to somehow give them a lifeline out of the economic crisis they're in. Nobody can replace the United States, and nobody can challenge if, if the People have to make a choice with doing business with Iran or the United States. Yeah. It's not a choice. Whose economy collapses completely first, uh, Iran or the PA? <laughs> well, Iran is a bigger country and um, <laughs> a lot of infrastructure, but I think they are in free fall in their economy, as is Turkey facing really serious challenges. But the PA, this is all self-inflicted. I mean, they're just doing it, inviting it, not going to to, to Bahrain announcing now the increase in funding or at least the sustaining of the of the funding for tariffs after the Taylor Force Act and its equivalents in many countries and others warning them to cutting funding uh, Israel withholding the amount the equivalent to the amount they pay the terrorists which is about 7% of the uh, monies the customs duties and stuff for the PA and yet they, they, they announced that they are, are increasing the amounts. There's some debate about whether there's an actual increase or it's just a bookkeeping increase. But the fact that they're funding and they're not stopping funding and that they're saying that they, there's no condition under which they would, uh, despite knowing that this is such a major obstacle to every normal thinking person. And um, the guy who... who um, uh, I'll call it me, who, who planned the kidnapping of uh, the three boys, has um, received 100,000 shekels already wow. from the PA, and he's um, served five years in prison. His salary doubled by PA from 2,000 shekels a month to 4,000 shekels a month. Uh, 
Unbelievable. Yes. It is so hard to believe. By the way, back to Britain for a second. What do you think when you hear about more members of the Labour Party uh, leaving the Labour Party because of the atmosphere of anti-Semitism? There was a special on BBC this week, um, British Broadcasting Radio or, or TV, in which they and TV, where they um, focused on the Labour Party and did an internal investigation with testimony of people. I saw parts of it. It's it's shocking, um, less so because we've already seen the evidence of of the anti-Semitism. But they talk about how they try to cover it up, how they didn't want people to talk about it, and the. Um, uh, the deputy head of labor, Tom Watson, said that anti-Semitism is a sickness in our party and wow. has dealt with. You, you see the statements by other leaders that this is powerfully shocking, and um, uh, and the, the, the departure of three more members is, is evidence of it. And I met with some British officials um, from the Labor Party, former members, and they are uh, – everybody is very dismayed about it. Nobody's quite sure how it's going to play out. Um, but the fact is that Corbyn still remains the the leader. Unbelievable. Um, it must be uncomfortable when the chief rabbi and other uh, Jewish lay leaders in Great Britain are asked to comment about that, because I know they like to maintain, obviously, you know, uh, good rapport with every party and, and the leadership of the parties. But uh, well, we should let the labor people speak for themselves, right. and they're they're doing a good job of right. coming out and. Um, you know, criticizing and and the evidence is so overwhelming. I mean, yeah, there was a report, I think, of 1,500 anti-Semitic incidents that most went uninvestigated and not dealt with because it's something, um, obviously, he's pretty comfortable with. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at com, on the Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Reminder... Uh, we're in Israel next week, which means that um, we have special programming and live broadcasts from the Holy Land. Uh, so our next weekly update, please God, is scheduled for the 26th of July, two weeks from today. Keep that in mind. By the way, back to the PA for a second. They may be going bankrupt, but it hasn't prevented them from burning American flags at their summer camps. Did you see that? I did see that. And, uh, you know, it, it's, again, a message people just should take take seriously. And, and you know that the uh, you talked about the collapse. There's a, a study that came out during the week that uh, 30 to 40,000 uh, citizens from Gaza are, are, have left since uh, mid-2016. Uh, that was when the, the opportunity to cross the borders were reopened. And they scattered around the world, and they they are not coming back, and they they don't want to come back, and they, they they've actually made now the Palestinians are the third largest group after Afghans and Syrians, uh, taking the smuggling route across the Mediterranean to Europe, according to the International Organization for uh, Migration, and the um, um, you know the conditions there are you know can worsen, and the people. Uh, are losing complete faith in, in as they have in the PA administration, the government. And he's made it very clear, that no negotiations, that uh, the right of return, he says, the Abbas says, is, is to Israel. There's no right of return even to the Palestinian state, to Ramallah. So this is, you, you, you see that they have no regard for their own people and right. their needs by the fact that they, Stay away from the conference that they and the people who went, Palestinian businessmen, were threatened on their return. Some didn't even go back. Some uh, stayed away for a while. 
Um, now I think it's it's cooled off a little bit, but they the, they threaten him, and and even the son, you know, the second son of Hamas has now left. You know, remember the Green sure. Prince and, and all the movies, everything, and he's yep. speaking all over the country. Well, his brother has now left, not because he he's upset about the treatment with Israel so much or at all, but he did it because of the corruption. And he revealed that Iranian money is coming in through Turkey into the West Bank and um, the operatives they have there and gave other information. Uh, Suhat Yosef, his brother, was um, was the green prince, and now he's different than uh, his brother Mosab. But uh, it, it's a further sign they're breaking in, in within the family. Those who leave uh, Gaza, do any of them become legal American citizens? Eventually. Uh, so not directly to the U.S. They'll go through a different country, or or well, well, they no. But we do have an increasing population, and amongst the people crossing the border from the south are people from the Middle East. Really, I didn't even realize that. I didn't realize that that was all South America and Central America. Oh, it's wow. a vast majority, but wow. they have, and they've infiltrated through Canada, infiltrated through the United States, and you have growing populations, um, some legally illegal, uh, the huge Somali population in Minnesota. I'm just citing it because it's such a, an unusual thing, but there's right. um, an estimate, I don't know, 50,000, 60,000 there. Um, uh, on the Israel political scene for a moment, anything you could tell us in the aftermath of the Ethiopian protests uh, in Israel? Anything uh, new as of today or you know, an, any analysis uh, regarding the aftermath of the whole episode? Well, it's still continuing, and there are going to be efforts to outreach. There are efforts to outreach even the chief rabbis to try and stop the demonstrations. They did continue during this week. It was uh, prompted because of the killing of a young Ethiopian Jew by the by a policeman, and they're saying it was unprovoked. But it's there's obviously a lot of frustration in the community, and um, despite the efforts of Israel and the, and the remarkable stories of many who have emerged in key positions in the army and academia, etc., um, there is a lot of frustration in the community, and I think the government will will have to address it. It uh, is addressing it. Uh, this week you were uh, part of the um, uh, Christians United for Israel gathering. Uh, the numbers are astounding. It's in the millions, but not just in the millions like it's been that you've told us in the past. I believe it's now 7 million uh, that are part of the group, and every one of them, I believe you would safely say, are supporters of Israel. Uh, that's the condition for joining. And Unbelievable. The only <laughs> reason to join, they're adding 100,000 members a month. They reached from last year when I spoke there, it was 6 million. This At this year's conference, they announced 7 million members. Wow. And, um, and, and and it's such an amazing event. And by the way, you see a nice delegation of people with the Yarmulkes who come and show support and solidarity. And because it's probably the most exciting event of its kind, yeah, that takes place during the year. I, I tell them, even if I wasn't invited to speak, I would go just to recharge my batteries. When you see people, the true love of Israel, the the feeling, the excitement in the room, it's it's incomparable. I'm telling you, it's they make me a Baptist minister every year when I get up there to speak because they draw it out of you. There and right after me, Pence spoke, the vice president, and later um, uh, Bolton and Pompeo. And that was just, and you had Jason Greenblatt, you had many others, Dory Gold, uh, the whole day, uh, one after another, really heavy-duty uh, panels and, and sessions where 
uh, where they're able to draw it because people know how significant this is. Simply remarkable. Uh, back to Israel for a second. There's a uh, you know another one of these. You know the election's two months away, and we're assuming we are having an election now, right? Absolutely. Okay. The election's two months away. Uh, so there was a story I read about the possibility of the Haredi parties joining with blue and white. Now the only the the, the only reason I was somewhat skeptical is there there has been this I don't know would you say de facto. I don't want to say policy, but the uh, de facto attitude maybe among the Haredi parties in the most recent elections um, to to not form an alliance with anybody but Likud. It, it, am I right that that's been the impression for the last few elections that would be the only group they would ever form with? And has that changed? Is it, is, or is this just an empty threat uh, to try to, uh, uh, you know, gain as much uh, political, uh, uh, you know, jockeying as possible? Well, I think that that may be true in any event, but the, as you know, they were part of labor governments for many years and uh, founding years, and with Likud found, um, I think, a more comfortable home uh, or relationship than uh, with uh, the labor or left of labor, and there is a lot of contentiousness in some of the people in blue and white and the Haredi community, but Lieberman seems to be taking the lead on it, and I think that they uh, would meet a, to have open lines of communication with everybody, but B, also it's leverage to show that they have options and that they shouldn't be taken for granted. They could be a powerful block, obviously. Um, the the, the uh, Israeli-Arab parties are, are unifying. Uh, then you have Barack, who doesn't right now pass the threshold, um, and it seems Netanyahu is focusing on him, whether it's to build him up to take votes from blue and white, but it may well push him over the threshold um, of 3.27%. Uh, the, the, most of the parties will more or less be the same. Merit's elected a new leader. Obviously, Labor has a new leader. Uh, but uh, nobody right now anticipates a major change except the latest polls and studies within the last 48 hours uh, say that uh, blue and white could form the next government. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. It would be remarkable if it would be another deadlock, huh? That would be cool. I mean, that is (laughs) what people would have predicted before. There's no reason to expect a difference. The question is, does something happen about Netanyahu? Does it add the fatigue? Do do they come up with a new campaign strategy at blue and white? Are people going to vote against the Haredim, against the religious parties, because, you know, Lieberman has made that issue so prominent. Uh, I think, though, when people get into the polls, they go back to their normal patterns, and uh, that's why the predictions are usually wrong. By the way, I may be off by a couple of months in the Sanders case, but I think Barack is older than both Sanders and Biden. I'm he not mistaken. is 77. He's 77. I, if anything, he's a couple of months younger than Sanders. He's certainly older than Biden. So, I mean, I don't think people realize how old he is. I don't think people realize that it's been a long time since he's been, you know, in this whole political ring. Yeah, well, he has his crystal uh, black, uh, I don't know, naturally or not, but it is. And I saw him <laughs> at an event when I was in Israel recently. So it, it perhaps makes him look younger, and he's certainly vibrant and, and active, as are the other two. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Sometimes, I th- sometimes age brings wisdom. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I get that, and I know the whole Ronald Reagan line. But I, I tell you, I I watched the I watched the debates or the the two day debate. I don't know. I I think they uh, 
I, I think the I think the rest of the crowd make them made them look old. I, I thought I I sort of said to myself that this whole thing is passing them by at this point, but I don't know. Maybe that was just my impression. Well, Biden is still the front runner, so uh, yeah, that also surprises know. me. Yeah, I know that also surprised me. Um, what does it mean when the U.S. Uh, threatens sanctions on Hezbollah, me- meaning that companies that are doing business with Hezbollah? I get it when you know with their sanctions in Iran. And well, it's sanctions against individuals now. It's sanctions against um, two members of the parliament and against uh, another Hezbollah leader, which means that any assets they have can be seized here. Uh, it means that uh, you can't do business with them or businesses that they own. Because a lot of these people all are, are like in Iran's leadership, all are have uh, vast holdings, and 40% of the economy in, in Iran is held by uh, the IRGC and the Supreme Leader's uh, House. In uh, in the case of Hamas, of Hezbollah, uh, their leaders, they, they're they putting the sanctions on the individuals, which affects people and their travel, their their ability to do business. Unbelievable. Um, I, I, I don't know how sensitive a topic this is, but people have asked me to ask you, uh, do you feel, and I don't, I, and if you want to handle this very diplomatically, that's fine. Uh, do you feel it's necessary for there to be an alternative to the birthright Israel trips? No, I think this is a it's a propaganda move um, to to um, shift the, the the whole emphasis. The whole point of of birthright was to connect young Jews to Israel and the non-Jews, and uh, and then now we have organizations that are creating an alternative where they. And of course, the New York Times will eat it up and cover it, where they um, show them the put the emphasis on the conditions of the Palestinians, and take them to Ramallah, take them to other places. I don't mind that people. I think they should be given the facts and issues, but this does not appear to be, uh, you know, a balanced presentation. And you're taking people who know nothing. Let them have first an experience, learn about what's going on in Israel, get a, a basic education, then you can deal with the more complex issues. But from what I can see, this is a, really an attempt to, to um, you know, and, and it, it was caused in part by demonstrations, infiltration by some groups of birthright, and then staging walkouts and stuff to go to, to West Bank. And, uh, and then they, these groups were stopped as sponsors of trips for birthright. And then um, they created these alternatives, and they always find funding for it. But I think that the numbers... Uh, in terms of birthright, are are overwhelming any other uh, effort? Just regrettable. It's it's just a sign of of the time. Uh, are you getting the impression from Israel that, aside from the fatigue factor, that nobody's really going to pay attention to the whole campaign and election until September the first? Is that the impression? You're I getting? think people are getting more and more tired, and um, yes, that because it's vacation time, people like here will. You know, they they pay attention all the time to politics anyway, but they are, I think, putting some of these issues on the back burner. Obviously, Iran remains a major concern because of the considerations, and there's a lot of concern about potentially a Hamas uh, escalation of of, uh, violence again, and the um, um, concern about what what this will mean uh, for the people, especially in the South, but overall. And Prime Minister has made some pretty strong statements about about it. Um, so 
that's where people, I think, are, are um, more focused. And, you know, they're looking at what Hamas's uh, strategy, because they lost another tunnel, as you know, because of the barrier that is being built in Gaza. Uh, and so it will make tunnels less effective because they're likely to be uncovered. So they have, they're looking at more aerial bombardment and by sea. They're setting up a sea commando cells uh, that, and, and the use of armed drones uh, for future uh, warfare against Israel. He, meaning the prime minister, mentioned what you said earlier about uh, the capabilities of Israel, obviously a threat to Iran. He um, made sure this week to speak about the fact that uh, his government will never give away any uh, any settlements, any land at this point. Um and he's doing a lot of Facebook Live videos. So <laughs> one, one has to surmise that we're in the middle of a campaign. Hate to be cynical, but uh, statements made by potential leaders at this time, two months before the election, I guess really need, need to be taken with a grain or more of salt. But at the same time, when you're talking about these issues, uh, my hope is, and I believe that the, you know, they take these issues too seriously to let it become subject simply of, of political... Uh, the, the political debate and, and differences, because this is uh, whoever gets elected is going to face this problem, and you don't want to undermine your ability to address it. Um, and, you know, Iran every day poses a new challenge to them and to the region. Israel, obviously, is in a strong position given its its um, abilities, but can never dismiss what, what uh, a prolonged war, uh, the thousands of rockets that uh, are massed in Gaza, let alone in the north, and the um, um, ongoing conflicts, attempts to ship weapons to to Hezbollah, uh, continuing from Iran. Um, but Iran, thank God, is bogged down with more and more of its own problems. Yeah. It, it never stops their terrorist thing. They they still divert all the resources they can to their regional and, and global hegemonic, hegemonic uh, goals, whether it's South America, and as I just said, in, in Africa, more and more evidence of their um, expanded uh, efforts. Uh, we see the persecution of Christians throughout the Middle East, and yet almost no attention being paid to it. Eleven Christians a day are supposedly killed in various places in the Middle East, and yet there's an, almost no attention um, uh, paid to, to it. And I think if people listen, read the words of Missy Rock, the one who embraced her Israeli counterpart at last year's Miss Universe contest, well, it's not exactly the most uh, reliable source of information. This one is quite remarkable because she testified at the Human Rights Council in Geneva, and, and she said that the issue between Arabs and Israelis go beyond policy, goes beyond policy disagreements, it's deeply rooted in the belief system in Muslim countries, she said, which are anti-Semitic. And she's told about what happened. She was forced to, to um, she was told to remove the picture of her and Miss Israel and to denounce Israel. And she said, uh, since then, I can't go home because she refused to do it. She said, I'm advocating for peace and called a traitor. Read her description of somebody who was on front line and not a political person. To tell you what what the real tensions are and the and the sources of the of the problems, we see the the free fall. Whether in Libya we have the interventions of so many in in Syria in the whole region, and the um, now the aftermath of uh, Bahrain, the conference there, we hope will will yield some 
uh, efforts, some joint efforts. But as long as the PA doesn't cooperate, nothing can really move. Oh, no question about that. Uh, finally, um, and I know that you're limited when it comes to the domestic issues, but nonetheless, I'll ask you, um, uh, are you supportive of the disciplinary actions and suspensions uh, that leaders of schools are giving those teachers that um, uh, that uh, tell their students that the Holocaust did not happen? No, I, I don't support the suspension. I, I think they should be fired. I think that they can't be allowed to go back into an educational setting. You have a, the... the um, principal from Boca Raton of a school that had a largely Jewish population. I think it's called Spanish River High School. And he, uh, when pressed by a parent about Holocaust education, said that he couldn't say that it was a fact and that he didn't, he didn't think he should take sides and just kept doubling down and doubling down on his, uh, on his uh, views, which were uh, really abhorrent and shocking that here's an educator in a school. Ted Deutsch uh, interviewed him last night on the show, and, and he said his kids went to that school, and there's Holocaust education in that school. But the principal can say that he does not believe it's a fact, that he can assert that it's a fact that it took place, that, that this genocide was, it was a reality. Uh, and at first he was transferred, but I understand now he was or will be fired. It, it is outrageous, and it, it tells you what, what kind of forces in America, let alone everywhere else, young people are exposed to. We know it's on campuses. We know that it's, it's becoming more and more dire. Uh, I cited a case, I think, at Columbia where they have a course, The Invention of the Jew. I mean, they, it's, they deny us everything, our past, our future, our present, and and undermine in every way. So the the fact that in an educational system, rather than recognizing the rise of anti-Semitism and taking extra steps to teach, to learn the lessons of it, you have somebody here who can't even admit that it's a fact. Yeah, 100%. All right, we'll reconvene, please God, two weeks from today. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you so much. Good job, everyone, and have a very safe trip. Malcolm, Ho- thank you. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday, seven forty a.m. right here at JM in the AM.